welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. It's good to be back with you again. Uh, kind of part two to last week's sermon. Darren uh, unpacked the first part of this um, magisterial couple of passages, chapters four and five in the book of Revelation, and invited us into an encounter with a deeper reality, a more profound reality than the one that we are currently experiencing. Now, this is hard. This is so hard. I mean, it's, it's like stuff of science fiction, but it's 2,000 years old. And, and John is making use of images and symbols and ideas and pictures, uh, just pulling out all the stops under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to try and convey to his friends who are undergoing ferocious persecution and many of them wondering if they will ever see families again and, and jobs are being lost and uh, their world is in turmoil in many cases, not every case, but enough that John sees the handwriting on the wall and he's concerned for them. And especially because as the government becomes more and more unwieldy and unstable, um, casting around for whomever it may crush in its quest for greater and greater power, uh, disciples of Jesus, the Christians in various churches are kind of under the gun. And of course, the parallels are not exact by any stretch of the imagination to our day and age. We live in, however, an age of confusion, an age of chaos, an age of wondering what in the world is Jesus up to in, in all of this? And is he really able to help us here? Is he is he really able to give us the capacity for the now? And of course, the point Darren was making last week among many was this idea that heaven, this vision that John sees is the defining reality for the people of God. It's not that this is real and that is a projection of our imagination. It is that that is real and it is that reality that enables this current time-space continuum in which we live to be real. It, our reality is derivative. It is, it, is, it is dependent on that core reality. And in that moment, in that season, in that uh, kind of parallel universe, John wants us to understand that's not out there someplace. That's not up there someplace. The heaven of which John speaks, it's just a peeling back of the curtain, and he is able to peek in through the doorway. It's not far away. It's this reality that we live in is contained within the wonder of this heavenly reality. Paul says it, that we live, we move, we have our existence in God. And John is being given kind of a peek inside, uh, kind of this defining, shaping reality. And the images last week were just fantastic in the original use of that word, way beyond our capacity to understand the wonder, the beauty, the power, the majesty of what he is seeing. And he wants us to remember 
um, this vision that he's seeing is not future. That's what's happening right now. The vision of Jesus glorified, the vision of God sitting on the throne is what's happening right now. And it relativizes, it gives um, a fresh understanding to what is happening in our time and space continuum, which exists within that larger universe, if you will, that we call, call heaven. So it's very similar to what Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6, where, where anxious about his future, he goes to the temple and sees an image, a vision of the Lord seated high and thrown high above the heavens, train, a tassel filling the temple, all of those images uh, in Isaiah, except this is even more amazing, more fantastic, more awesome than that vision of Isaiah's was. And that was just part one. <laughs> now we turn to part two, where it deepens and expands, if you can imagine it, uh, setting the table for a future that is unfolding. So we, we stand in this current reality, which is deeper and more profound than the space-time place that we live. We can touch, but our touch is limited by the four dimensions within which we live. And heaven is multidimensional. And so we are seeing a current reality that shapes our current reality. And we are getting a glimpse into how the future might telescope into this moment. And so we begin at chapter uh, 5, verse 1, where now turning from this um, preparatory worship at the end of chapter 4, this is what John sees next. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll, could even look inside it. I wept. And I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See, <laughs> the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by those four living creatures and the elders. And the, the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. 
And they sang a a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. Then I looked and and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then... I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Who is equal for this? There there are texts that I shudder to come to, and this is one of them. Um, I know what it says. I think I know kind of what it means. But these are the moments where you, you just realize we don't even know what we're talking about. This is so beyond our comprehension And I think John is just struggling with the limits of his language and the limits of his revelatory capacity and the limits of his own heart that just beats faster and faster, almost bouncing out of his chest. You can see as he turns and sees this one seated on the, and he notices there in his right hand, the sign, right hand of authority, right hand of power, a scroll. Scrolls always are significant of an unfolding, but this one is sealed. And not just once, seven seals. It's written front and back. It is dense. It is thickly packed. It has future written all over it, but it's sealed, seven sealed. Nobody can get in. Nobody can see it. And a mighty angel sounds out the cry, echoing, bouncing off the far reaches of the universe, bouncing off the earth at the depths of the level. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Dead silence echoes back. The entire universe is silent, holding their breath, listening, listening, listening. Is there a whisper of worthy anywhere? Is there somebody, anybody? Not a one. Nobody is worthy. And John weeps. He's just devastated that, that all, all this vision, all of this seeing, all of this moment comes to, to this. He sees his future wrapped up, and the future not just of him, but of the church and of God's work in the world. And it's just, it's there, but unavailable. And then one of the elders 
comes and reminds him, don't weep. (laughs) The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll. These two images, you recognize them from the Old Testament, both Isaiah and um, uh, from from way back, multiple times throughout the prophets, is referring to the one who would become known to the people as the as the Messiah, the one who 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 would suffer, the one who would take God's name and and use it in in the way that God intended. This descendant of David, this king, who would. Uh, rule in righteousness and bring hope and help to the world. And, 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 and all of these images are, are here colliding in on themselves. And finally, this one, whom you recognize, this is building. This is a, a scene of drama. This is not just a, a description of what happened. John is trying to invite us into the moment. He's inviting us onto the stage, onto the platform. And so the unfolding is deliberate and dramatic, and it's, it's not a pedestrian kind of reciting of details. There is movement, there is, is drama in this, and for which the word drama was invited, invented, rather. And so, so, so he sees this, and, 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 and the image you can see, he has got his heart set on an outcome. The Lion of Judah, finally! the ferocious beast that will demolish our enemies, this root of David, the David who triumphed over the Philistines, the David who established Jerusalem as the throne of God and his own throne, the David, the mighty warrior. Yes, we get a hero. We get somebody who is going to be victorious. We get someone who is going to finally right the wrongs that we have been exposed to. And you can see him tear-stained, lift his eyes to behold this ferocious, mighty lion of Judah, the warrior king after David, the root of David, and his jaw drops. He sees a lamb. And a lamb slain, showing the signs of sacrifice, bound, a lamb, a lamb. At the center of the throne, you you understand the imagery here. The throne is the one in which God sits. And the lamb is in the center of the throne. He's saying something about the nature of that lamb that is going to invite us into further conjecture, right? It's going to invite us into this. It's encircled by these four living creatures, the apex of all of humanity, all of creation. They are there. The elders, they are all there. The ones that Darren talked about last week, you got to go back and listen to that. Powerful. Anyway, um, all, all of them are there. They're, they're there. They are, they are surrounded. They are weighted with bated breath. And then as he looks closer, he notices this, this imagery begins to shape. And the lamb has seven horns and seven eyes, which we've come to recognize are the symbols of power. Seven powerful symbols, seven horns, ultimate power, ultimate authority, ultimate 
wisdom. He can see and knows everything. He is all-powerful, symbolized by these seven horns and seven eyes. And he just goes and takes the scroll. Remember who's sitting on the throne. This is God Almighty, high and lifted up. And the Lamb feels completely and utterly unthreatened and completely comfortable. He just goes and takes the scroll. And as soon as he does, there is an eruption of worship, of praise. The four and twenty elders, the living creatures, all fall down before the Lamb. They recognize what is going on. They recognize that this is the moment for which all of history had to which all of history has been moving. This is the, the pivot moment. And we are getting a chance to take a look at what is going on into the center of the heart of the universe. And we see their worship is going on. And not just that. They are holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. You ever want to know what happens to prayers? This tells us. They are being presented. They are being lifted. They are being offered up before God, before the Lamb. This is why prayer is so important. This is why the worship that Darren talked about last week is so critical. It aligns our hearts to this reality. And boy, do we need to be aligned to this reality. And these prayers being offered up aligns our hearts to the awareness that prayer actually matters. It actually shows up. It's not just throwing words in the air and hoping some of them stick somewhere. Prayer has this this powerful, evocative sense as it is presented part of this worship of God, the incense offered, the prayers of God's people. This moment turns everything for John. The lion is mentioned one time in the book of Revelation. The lamb, 29 times. It's not power that will win the universe. It is love that sacrifices itself for the sake of the loved that will win the universe. Oh, brothers, sisters, if we could only understand that we who have been co-opted by our temporal reality, temporary temporal reality, into believing that it is the strong who inherit the earth, haven't heard Jesus saying, no, it's, it's the meek who inherit the earth. And here he stands, having bled out in the four and twenty elders and the four living creatures symbolizing all of humanity and all of creation. And I want you to listen to their song. You are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain. Because you were slain. Because you absorbed into yourself all of the horror 
that had happened to the world, all of the sins that had fractured our relationship with God and our relationship with our other human beings and and with ourselves, all of that, all of that brokenness that we had embraced as wholeness, all of our clever strategies by which we outsmarted ourselves into, into box canyons of our own destruction. You have taken it all. You have absorbed all of that brokenness into yourself. And with your blood, you purchased for God people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. If we can just take a side, please notice the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There's nobody that deserves anything There's nobody that is higher up or postured. When we serve one who wins by losing, it's a descent into greatness that we are invited to. Nobody has privilege, nobody has power that earns them anything before this lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And please notice, he has taken all of this brokenness, all of these people from tribe and language and and people and nation, and he has made them a new kingdom and a community of priests to serve God. Please notice, the function of kingdom is to exercise authority and rule. The function of priests is to serve as this representative capacity, mediatory capacity, a priest stands before God on behalf of the people and before the people on behalf of God, standing in that awkward, painful, deadly, in-between place, following the lamb into the heart of the brokenness and redeeming it from the inside out, becoming the kinds of people who can be trusted becoming the kinds of people who can be trusted to rule, the kinds of people who can be trusted not to take their own stance and assert their rights, but to stand solidly in the bloody footprints of the lamb slain and declare with him, the world is one through self-sacrificing love, a kingdom of priests from every tribe, every nation. This is not about the tribe of Levi that was the Jewish understanding, Old Testament. This is every, everybody, everybody who has been drawn by this lamb are now serving in this mediatory role. It's an image from Exodus where God calls his people to bless the world by being a kingdom of priests, a nation whose job it is And now I would argue, he says to the church, you are my people and your job is to be a kingdom, a nation of priests standing in between. Friends, does our world need folks who will stand in between, who will stand holding tightly to a world that is vibrating in fear and hold tightly to the hand of God extended to that world? and draw them together by their own sacrifice. That is the role of the lamb slain. That is the role of the people of the lamb who was slain, whom he has redeemed. And of course, they celebrate his worth, his value, his glory, his majesty. You are worthy. 
And then it's like almost like a, 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 a flash mob, right? You, you, you've seen those where, where somebody stands up and begins to sing the first line maybe of the hallelujah chorus or some, some familiar song and, and in the mall. And then people in the, in, uh, all over the mall begin to join in and sing in to this. The orchestra begins to play, bringing instruments out of, out of hiding. And, and, and this flash mob then turns in verse 11. And I heard the voice of many angels. They've been quiet this whole time. They've been waiting for the lamb to receive his worth and do and praise from the peoples of the planet. But now the angels can't contain themselves. They join in thousands of them, 10,000 times 10,000. It's the only way John knows how to count to a number innumerable. And he says they join in in this chorus of wonder, thousands of them encircling the throne, living creatures, if you can imagine, flying around, flaming ones, flying around. It's just, it's just so fantastic. It beggars the imagination. We can't even begin to grasp the magnitude, the wonder of what is. And listen to them. Listen to them. They get it. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Seven words of adoration, seven words of praise, perfect, complete praise. The angels join in with the human and the created community and celebrate this sevenfold worship, this wonderful, wonderful lamb who's earned the right to open the scrolls, to unfold history, to bring it to its telos, its conclusion, because Reb Paul tells us why in Philippians. He didn't consider his equality with God right on the throne to be something he needed to hang on to. He let it go. He humbled himself. He became trustworthy. And so God has given him a name that's above every name. But the flash mob isn't done yet. First, the elders and the, and the four living creatures, right? Then the angels, tens of thousands of angels. And then it says in verse 13, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything that is in them, all the molecules of the universe begin to vibrate with worship. Every single star, every single planet, real planet out in the, out in the outer stretches of the universe. And at the very core of the universe, the very core of the heart of creation begins to vibrate with praise to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This is just a, a vision too magnificent. I mean, we can read the words, yeah? But to get a glimpse of what's going on, oh God, you've got to give us a revelation, especially in this day. Because this, this is a call, isn't it? We have to choose what lens we are going to look through. Are we going to look through the current reality of our planet uh, through the lens of heaven? Or are we going to look at heaven through the lens of the current worldview? John is clear. This reality is what he is describing, and he invites us into the sharing of it, to train our hearts to see Jesus 
not to be anxious or afraid, but to be the people who will now begin to join the flash mob of worship, celebrating the worth of the Lamb and then following his example in real time by absorbing the pain and the struggle and the heartbreak of the world without retaliation, without punitive outcomes, sacrificially in love. And we join him there in the work of his kingdom to that outcome. It's a daunting challenge, isn't it? That's why we need this vision, isn't it? We need a big picture of a big God for the big life we are called to live. Because we, according to this text, are going to reign and rule on the earth. We're going to need some help. We've got it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we don't have capacity for this. Thank you that you do. We surrender our thoughts and processes and strategies to you and choose to live the sacrificial lifestyle that you have modeled for us in this passage, which is the only way to victory in love. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.